69 offense. He was giving them the business. I like Pittsburgh, I always have. If, if they had a bigger airport, I'd live here. <laughs> and that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Playoffs? What talk about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hello and welcome to the Backyard PA Football Podcast where we discuss high school football between Interstate, we're on Interstate 79 between Pittsburgh and Morgantown and Interstate 70 if you're going east to west. I am Nathan Grella. I'm Jeremiah Miller. And we got an exciting podcast for you guys. We're going to break down the semifinals of Whitfield Action. Uh, what would you call the round of like, it's not the quarterfinals, it's the round before that for the state playoffs here because the quarterfinals are coming up this week. I'd call it whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, the whatever playoff round yeah, here. Yeah. Um, it's yeah because is it this isn't like the championship like a like isn't the WPL championship like a state playoff game? Yeah. That it, next week is going to be the quarterfinals for the PIAA championship. So. So this will be the first round. Yes, I believe so. Then why did you ask me such a tricky question? I was like, well, because you have the semifinals, you have the quarterfinals, but I was wondering, like, what is the round? I guess it's the round of, the round of like, I don't know, twenty four, something like that. I'm not good at math. <laughs> it's a little bit too late for that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get this podcast started here. Uh, you can find this podcast just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. You know, Apple. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Castbox, Stitcher, tune in all those fun places. So go subscribe to us on there. You can go check out our articles on PF Football News or anywhere um, you want to find high school football. Just go check out PF Football News. All right, let's get started with a podcast here. Um, we're gonna run through the list of games and talk about them a little bit. Maybe preview the upcoming matchups, but we will dive into that a little bit more on Wednesday when we talk about. Uh, just, you know, some of the semifinal matchups coming up or Whipple title games, if you prefer to use the Whipple system. Um, but let's jump into the games here. We got the Shenango Wildcats visiting the Clareton Bears. This game was at Norwin High School. Clareton won the game 55-16. to uh, Were you surprised? I believe Shenango was actually winning this game like 6-3, to and then Clareton came and just stormed the castle against the Wildcats. Uh, were you surprised in, at any point in this game with a result uh, from this one? No, not really. You know, this is a matchup of, between two teams, one that's here consistently uh, throughout the uh, turn of the millennium, um, and then Shenanga, who's uh, kind of new to this thing. So, um, you know, so no, I, I wasn't really surprised. You know, Clareton did what Clareton does, and they just roll through the WPL playoffs, and... Um, yeah, that was all it really was, you know, they, they, um, <laughs> you know, they just ran all over Shenango and it was a long night for the Wildcats. Yeah, Clareton has not been touched by just about any team other than Jeanette this year. Uh, and I'm sure that's going to be a very big matchup coming up here in the 1A championship in the Whipple. Um, we'll break that down a little bit more. But moving on to the next 1A game, uh, Jeanette beating Rochester in Rochester 40-13. to I think this should just about confirmed to everyone that Jeanette definitely should have been the two seed. But anyway, this game was on grass, and Jeanette just ran all over the Rams. Um, what were your takeaways from this one as well? 
Yeah, this game really surprised me. You know, I was hyping it up. You know, this has been the best, you know, young rivalry in the WPIL in recent years. You know, these guys have met in, like, four of the last five WPIL um, playoffs before this game. And, you know, Jeanette just proved this year that they are, like you said, they should have been the two seed um, over Rochester. Um, they proved that they're the second best team in the WPIL for sure. Um, and now they get a chance to prove that they're the best team and redeem themselves, you know, this um, Saturday against Clareton up at um, Martorelli Stadium. And what a weird dichotomy between the two teams because we saw these teams play each other the first week of the year and it was really all about Clareton's huge running game. And then we saw Brad Birch in his first game kind of ball out against Clareton's defense. Uh, and now they've had a whole year to progress to the point of seeing each other again. So how are we going to see, you know, he, Brad Birch was looked really impressive in that first game of the year. Are we going to see him, you know, play even better against the Bears after a full season of playing against 1A competition? I think that's going to be a interesting storyline heading into that game at North Hills this weekend. Um, jumping now into 2A, the Sarah Catholic Eagles and the Still Rocks Vikings, two very pass-happy teams, and this was a high-scoring game with not a lot of defense. The Vikings ended up winning this one 49-32, and I remember a couple weeks ago I made the prediction. I said if Sarah Catholic upset McGuffey, I think Still Rocks makes it to the championship because it's definitely very hard to beat the Vikings at home. Now, I kind of reversed that prediction last week by picking the Eagles, but Still Rocks really came out and just u- utilized their – they're deep weapons at wide receiver, uh, two quarterbacks that can throw the ball. Uh, the Vikings look very good. Do you think that there may be a threat for a team like Beaver Falls with this type of offense? You know, I, they, I, uh, they are. I think that they can really put up points, but it's the fact their biggest challenge against Beaver Falls isn't going to be able to stop Beaver Falls' offense. Uh, more specifically, Josh Huff, who's just ran over everyone. I can't think. I want to say it was Mike White of the Post Gazette said. You know, uh, jo- Josh Huff had a down night against Apollo Ridge. He only averaged 17.5 yards per carry compared to a season average of 18 yards per carry. So that just shows you the kind of athlete that we're dealing with when we're talking about Josh Huff, um, the Syracuse commit. So, um, you know, Storox is going to have to put up points. Um, I think Storox, I don't think Storox, um, if this game's a close game, I, I don't think St- like. St- like Stowrocks won't be able to uh, not be able to score the ball and stay with this game. Like I really think this will be a high-scoring game. Stowrocks' offense is going to have to put up points uh, because I don't see their defense uh, stopping Josh Huff enough. So yeah, I, I think this offense is going to have to step up, and I think they can. I, I, what they what I've seen, I think they're um, you know I think their passing game is very very good. They got a lot of great athletes up there at Stowrocks and a very young team too. So this will be a team we'll see the next. Uh, three or four years, you know, really um, put their name, you know, out there, and especially in double A now, not a, not just single A anymore, double A. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see. And you speaking of young teams, uh, the Sarah Catholic Eagles only have like two or three seniors on that team. That is going to be an exciting team next year. If Sarah Catholic is able, I'm sure they'll be able to play a full roster of games. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what that team's matchups in the playoffs would have looked like if they played that full a list of games that weren't canceled or that were canceled. But 
that's a team that's definitely going to be a favorite um, next year, especially with all that Apollo Ridge is losing. And speaking of the Vikings, they ended up going to Beaver Falls and losing 50-27. to That tough Vikings defense could not stop the Shalik Livingston, Josh Huff, um, one-two punch that the Tigers have. And are the Tigers – now let's look past the Whipple here. The Tigers, if they beat Stowe Rocks this week, are going to have a matchup with Wilmington. Do you think, and those are probably the two best 2A teams in the bracket, in my opinion. Um, I know Southern Columbia might have an argument with that. But looking at those three teams, do you think Beaver Falls might be the best out of those three? <sighs> That's a tough one. Um, I think they're I think they're pretty even with Wilmington. Um the Josh Huff factor would make me put Wil- them above Wilmington. Excuse me. Um, it, it's just hard for me right now to pick against Southern Columbia because no one's beat them. Uh, that's the big thing. Southern Columbia is going to have a tough matchup against Richland. That'll be the best opponent they've played this season. Um, and the Richland Rams. I don't know if I can quite put them there yet. Beaver Falls up there with Southern Columbia. And that says so because Southern Columbia lost a ton of talent, but that just tells you the pro the program that Coach uh, Roth has out there at uh, Southern Columbia. But um, I think Beaver Falls is better than Wilmington, though. I will say that. All right, let's make this easier. Beaver Falls versus Southern Columbia, Hershey Park Stadium, three thirty p.m. on the Friday game. Who is the favorite, and how many points are they favorites by Southern right Col- now? Southern Columbia by 14. Okay, so you'd probably put Southern Columbia over the Tigers, at least right now. Now, we'll see what, yes. what they look like against Wilmington if they end up winning. Yeah, and that's still rocks. Yeah, it's the same thing with Southern Columbia. You know, we'll see what Southern Columbia can do with Richland. You know, that, that'll be a tough game for them. Um, a game I think they should win, but we'll see how Wilmington comes out. Or, excuse me, not Wilmington, yeah. I'm sorry, Richland. Which, if you remember, yeah. Richland gave um, Southern Columbia their best game last year in the state semifinals. Best game in air quotes because yeah, I mean they still, still won. Like they still won like or they still won by like they won like forty nine to twenty eight. <laughs> yeah, that team was so good last year. Uh, yeah, but losing a lot, so maybe a little bit more susceptible this year. I know they didn't play exactly a full schedule of games either. Um, but they're and they end up in the playoffs as well. Uh, let's jump down to 3A here. Keystone Oaks Golden Eagles, and we were riding high on the Golden Eagles last week after you know Logan Shrub got injured. They backup quarterback came in and they won on the at the last second um, to, for the upset. They ended up going to Central Valley, and it was a 70 to 21 blowout. Yikes! Central Valley is just they're that good this year. They're that good every year, but. I, they're they're just gonna sweep through three A, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I, I like I said, I don't see anyone in the state touching Central Valley. They're just that good and they're that determined. You know, they lost in the state finals last year in a game they really should have won. Um, and I think this team's just poised to go out and uh, avenge their loss from last year. So last so last year we had Central Valley, Aliquippa, and Beaver Falls on the same conference. Was that the same conference that Waynesburg was also in as well? Correct, yes, correct. Man, that is brutal. <laughs> I can see why the Red or the Raiders program is in the state it is after playing that conference now. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, good on the Central Valley Warriors. They should have a pretty easy, I mean, the way their team is structured, a pretty easier path. Uh, but, you know, one team that might have an argument with that are the Elizabeth Forward Warriors, and that strong defense led by Chase Watton ended up shutting out the North Catholic Trojans on the road 17 to nothing. A defensive battle from both teams, maybe the two best defenses in 3A, aside from the Central Valley Warriors. Uh, does EF have all of that defensive momentum to stop Central Valley's offense who just put a 70-burger on the Golden Eagles? Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> no, I, I think <laughs> I think with Elizabeth Forward is um, a very good football team. Um, I don't think they're the same as Central Valley. <laughs> I just think Central Valley's that good. Uh, you put Central Valley in 4A, and I think they're right there with Aliquippa and TJ. So... Um. Yeah, that's just how good and highly I think of this Southern or Southern Columbia, whoop, Central Valley team. Yeah, they're extremely impressive this year. Pretty poor podcast management of me to put the Central Valley game in front of the Elizabeth Ford game because now we're like, well, Central Valley is just going to win. Hope uh, most likely against Elizabeth Ford. Um. Now we'll jump into foray with the team as we cover, and we'll talk about these games a little bit longer um, because these were two games that we were both at, uh, or me and Carter were at. Uh, Plum Mustangs at Thomas Jefferson first. Thomas Jefferson squeaks one by Plum 20-17. to Not exactly the result either of us were expecting from Thomas Jefferson. Plum was winning for this game for most of it, I believe, and then Thomas Jefferson got a late touchdown to go ahead. Uh does this close win seem a little ominous for Thomas Jefferson because they got Aliquip on the schedule, and that is not a team that you want to play around with? Uh, you know, Plum is a very good football team. You know, they had their first um, undefeated season in like 40 years or something. You know, this was their best season in 40 years. You know, this, like I mentioned, this was a bad team in 5A last year. Um, dropped down to four A, and they're the uh, conference champions. And uh, Plum was legit, and they proved that on Friday night. So um, you know, I, I don't think TJ has any. Uh, you know, I think I think that I know I wasn't there, um, but I think I think it might have played a factor. You know, I think TJ thought they would come in and roll in that game, but you know, Plum was a lot better than they um, TJ anticipated. You know, TJ just um, they got together in the locker room at halftime. You know. Uh, made some second half adjustments and came out and uh, you know they were the better football team in the second half and uh, they proved that and now they're in the WPL championship game again and they're still uh, defending their state title so um, but they got a big one coming up against the Quips so it'll be interesting to see that one really looking forward to that and just just tough for the Plum Mustangs because they really laid it all out on the line against Thomas Jefferson a team that is just so talented and they come so close, but yet so far it's a tough loss for the Mustangs. But uh, Thomas Jefferson's sideline, side I mean, 20 points is kind of underwhelming, and Aliquippa is coming up with, you know, all those 300-plusers. Uh, what are you going to look for here in the trenches? Because it seemed like Thomas Jefferson kind of got pushed back a little bit, maybe punched in the mouth against Plum this weekend. Yeah, you know how I feel. Um you know, I I feel strongly that the games are won and lost in the trenches, and that's going to be no exception uh, come Saturday up at North Allegheny. Um, but yeah, you know, Aliquippa's got some big boys, and you know, Plum kind of you know had a, they they really picked apart a, a TJO line that we thought was really good, but 
Um, and and I still think they are. It's just I, I think we just underestimated Plum's uh, D line that much. But um, I would say Aliquippa's D line's a little much better um, than Plum's. No no question, they're much bigger. There's no denying that. Um, so yeah, you know TJ's gonna have to come out and really get under those big boys for Aliquippa and move them around to you know try to make holes for uh, you know Jake Pugh and. Say Deer, you know, and set up the rest of that TJ offense. So, um, yeah, that that would be the most intriguing matchup for me is the uh, TJ offensive line, um, who struggled a little bit against Plum versus that big Aliquippa defensive line. And what we've seen from Jake Pugh is just a little bit of inconsistency here down the stretch. We saw, you know, him really struggle against McKeesport, then bounce back against Mars with, you know, six five touchdowns um then he now he struggled a little bit against plum last week with you know 20 points do we see him maybe bounce back here against aliquippa this week well that's going to be tough to bounce back against a team like aliquippa (laughs) um but he's going to have to if he's going to want to win the game you know it's it's going to be a difficult task but uh it's going to have to happen um so you know he's going to have to you know Settle down, you know, he's the good thing for him. You know, he's been in a, this type of game before, um, not necessarily as a starter, but, you know, he has been in this type of situation before. You know, he's going to know what the atmosphere is. Um, I'm wondering if the atmosphere will be better this year as far as, you know, um, playing at North A. You know, it's in a district title game, but, I, I, you know, this is coming from someone that's never played um, in a WPR championship. Um, really wish I could have, but that's beside the point now. Um you know, it would probably be overwhelming to play at Heinz Field, you know, where at North Allegheny it doesn't have that same lust as, you know, playing where the Pittsburgh Steelers do. Yeah, yeah, that's something I've thought about, too. I'm also interested to see, like, because Aliquippa is probably going to travel very well for this game. And I'm interested, Thomas Jefferson probably will too. Yeah, it's it's pretty I, I much. I think that's an interesting dynamic in the crowd. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, I mean, it's pretty much. Um, it's pretty much um, kind of centralized location. Um, it's probably it's a little closer to uh, Aliquippa, I would say, than uh, Jefferson Hills, but pr- pretty much a neutral location, though. I mean, as far as um, well, not neutral because Heinz Field would be neutral, but y- you know what I mean. It's pretty centralized. Like it's not a like if this were like a semifinal game, the game would probably be at. Uh, it would probably be at North A. It would probably be one of the options that people would look at. So, yeah, I, I think there'll be a good bit of Aliquippa fans, and I think there'll be a good bit of TJ fans. You know, this is a really interesting matchup. You know, we got two of the WPIL Blue Bloods, you know, over the last 20 seasons, you know, playing each other. First time and probably ever that these two teams have met. Um, if they have before, you can tell me and stump me because I don't ever remember – you know, I saw something in a Facebook them. group recently that they had met like sometime in the mid '80s or mid '90s in the PIAA championship. But I was not born yet, and I they couldn't have not been even in the, in the, in the, in the state then. championship. I think so. No, not, no, not state championship, like the Whipple championship. Okay, you said okay. Uh, I mean, maybe I don't. I don't know. I mean, you, you know, that's thing. You know, a lot of schools have grown a lot even since I've been around. You know, they, they a lot of schools have been kind of small and you know still growing. I mean, we're talking now. Equipa playing four A football. You know, they got a smaller enrollment than West Green High School. So, um, but um, you know, some schools you know have been small. Like the, the biggest example, like South Bay. I mean, grow like when. 
when like when I was born, South Fayette was single A. You know, and then when I was growing up, they were double A. And then, you know, when they went to six classifications, they bumped up to 4A, now they're 5A. So, um, you know, just a lot of schools are growing up. And that, that could have happened, that matchup between TJ and Aliquippa. But, yeah, I just, I don't ever recall hearing something of that. Yeah, I, I, I think I recall that matchup happening uh, from what I read, but uh, we'll probably talk about that more later when we preview that game between the Quips and the Thomas Jefferson Jaguars. But let's move into now probably well, our game of the week and probably game of the week in the region aside from Peter's Gateway. Um, that would be Belvern and visiting the Aliquippa Quips at the pit. 33-25, final score. The Aliquippa Quips win this one by eight. Um I was there. I have a lot of thoughts. I'm probably going to go on a little bit of, rant, of a rant, so I want to let you get your thoughts out of the way before I talk about this one. Um, You, you know, if Bell Vernon came out hot out of the gates, and I was like, man, like this Bell Vernon team you know, might come up here and shock the world, and that's just not what happened. Uh, you know, Aliquippa settled down, and um, they don't lose at home very often, and uh, they weren't going to lose on Friday night. Uh, yeah, you know, like I said, you were there, so you you have more of an opinion, and uh, you know, you, you I'm sure you talked to me a little bit this morning on how you felt about the game. So just go ahead and uh, do what you got to do. Okay, yeah. Listen, just four words off the top of the bat: Mike Warfield outcoached Matt Humbert. Like that was that's the story of the game for me. That's probably what I'm going to go into the most here, but man, Mike Warfield is a smart guy because we went into that game, we said Aliquippa is going to run the ball, Vernon Red is a star, and then throughout the course of the game, Mike Warfield recognized how his quarterback was playing, made the adjustment, and then they just started chucking the ball all over the field. Bell Vernon's you know, secondary was no match for guys like Darius Moreland um, at a receiver. They got a little thunder lightning with Vernon Red and uh, Carl McBride out of the backfield running um, in the red zone. A lot of turnovers for both teams. Kind of was the story of the game, too. I'd be nervous um, if I was Al and I made that many turnovers against TJ. Uh, but long and short of it, Bell Vernon... Bell Vernon's defense put them in a situation to win this game. And I'm, I'll, I'll start out at the beginning. Uh, you know, Bell Vernon's offense comes out hot, good jumps out to a 13 nothing lead in the first quarter. And then Devin Whitlock fumbles the ball backwards about a negative 30 yard play, uh, sets up, sets up um, Aliquippa on like the 21. Uh, and they score just about immediately. And then it's a game again. And, that was basically the turning point of the game, uh, but you know, Aliquip, I mean, Bell Vernon, that defense, put, that's the story of the game. Bell Vernon's defense put them in a situations to win, and the offense let them down. Uh, you know, the fact that Devin Whitlock was still taking the majority of the carries between the tackles in the third and fourth quarters, it was just frustrating being on the sidelines because. You know, you look at a guy like Ian Maloney, who's going Division One for Bell Vernon, and you see his height size compared to the cornerback guarding him with Sayer Clark, who, you know, Sayer Clark is a very good defensive back, but, you know, he's not 6'3 like Ian Maloney is. And Ian Maloney's going D1 to Louisville, and he only got two targets the whole game. And that was probably most frustrating for me was that Mike Warfield was smart enough to realize a discrepancy between the two teams and adjust. 
and I don't think Matt Humbert did the same thing on his sideline. So just some of your reactions to what I just said there. Well, I think you pretty much covered it for me. Um, you know, uh, I wasn't there to see it for myself, so I'm not going to say uh, I, I only take your word. Um, you know, I think, you know, and I think it came down to, you know, uh, you know, Humbert's, Humbert's been in the big game before. Um, you know, he he's still a, he's still a young coach, you know. Um, he's a very good coach, though, you know. I don't want to, you know... Uh, discredit him because that would uh, that would be wrong of me. Absolutely. You know, I mean, Matt Humbert is a very good coach, um, and I'm not saying that because he's good to us. I mean, I just said that you know, as a as a fan of the game and someone who respects the game, I respect what uh, Matt Humbert has done um, at Bell Vernon, making them into a power, which um, you know they were relevant, but I wouldn't necessarily call them a power before. Um, so. You know, and then the th- Mike Warfield is a great coach. Um, he's proved that. You know, won a state title in his first season. Um, people can say that was because he had a Hall of Fame coach's um, team, uh, but that Hall of Fame coach had to won a state title um, in 15 years before Warfield did it. So um, Warfield's a great coach, and Humbert is too. And, and Matt Humbert's going to win. Uh, at least one district championship before it's all said and done. Um, I mean, I don't know when, yeah. but uh, he will. He, he's a great coach, and uh, he's got a great thing going at Bell Vernon. And you know, I'm sad to see their season end, uh, but they got a lot of talent coming back next year. And that team, you know, it's just it is. Uh, it's going to be exciting to cover Bell Vernon uh, for sure. But um, yeah, pretty much what you said. Just you know. You know, you were there, you saw it firsthand, so you are more of an expert on this game, per se, than uh, myself. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bell Vernon is returning a ton of their young core, especially at the weapons, but looking in the trenches, Bell Vernon looked pretty good against Aliquippa's defensive line. Like, especially, or especially when you're looking at their D-line versus their offensive line, like, Bell Vernon had penetration for most of the night. They were able to come up big, get turnovers, give the offense a chance to win, and the offense would just squander it away in the third and fourth quarters. So they'd go three and out. You know, two of those th- th- two of those three plays would be Devin Whitlock or Quentin Martin runs the outside or up the middle, and at at some point in the game, it was just a little bit frustrating to watch because they kept trying the same thing, and it 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 really was not working. Now, now Bell Vernon is going to have their chance next year, I think, if they're able to replace three other key, you know, defensive and offensive linemen. You know, you look at a guy like Quentin Martin, uh, I hope I, I, I would have liked to seen him in the game more on the outside as a throwing threat, especially when the game became apparent that Quentin Martin wasn't really doing much, you know, running the ball. Uh, he was getting stopped behind the line of scrimmage a lot. I would have loved to see him as a as a throwing threat because that's kind of what they did against Thomas Jefferson a little bit. Uh, but I understand why they did it. Uh, but, yeah, you get him back. You get Devin Whitlock back as a senior next year. Hopefully his arm progresses to the point where they can trust him a little bit more to throw the ball against some of these tougher teams. Uh, but, yeah, just it's a disappointing loss for Bell Vernon because I think that their defense put them in a situation to win the game and uh, they, they couldn't execute it. 
totally. But a big win for Aliquippa. Uh, this is a, I think at 4A, this is a program-defining win for them, um, for especially for this season. But we will see what happens on Friday or Saturday when they play Thomas Jefferson, and you'll be there. So, All right. What do you say we move into 5A, Jeremiah? I like the sound of that, Grells. All right, let's start off with a game that you know everybody had their eyes on: Peters Township Indians at Gateway Gators, two versus three seeds. And uh, P- Peters Township won this one on a Corbin Handrew last-second touchdown to win. What were your thoughts from this one here? Yeah, I you know I watched the tail end of this. You know, um, Gateway had their opportunity, um, you know, to really pull away in this one. You know, it was nineteen nothing to halftime. And, you know, Corbin Hondrew, who I, I just want to say uh, should be playing Power 5 football. Now, he's verbal commit um, to Miami of Ohio. Um, and he was interviewed after a game. Like, it was on uh, 22 The Point. I, I can't remember the, the game now. But anyway, um, after the game, they asked him, you know, if he was set, you know, to Miami. And he said, yeah, you know, he's, he's 100% committed to Miami. You know, he's not flipping no matter what happens. Um, so I respect that. You know, he said Miami was the first to offer him. So, you know, he feels he should respect that um, and staying committed to them. So I, I respect that. But I just want to say that's the type of talent this kid has. Um, speaking of his talent, uh, his teammate, Donovan McMillan, he's pretty good. He's going to Florida. So, uh, and, you know, um, Gateway had a late pick six in that game, but called back because of pass interference, and it was a, it was the right call. Um, the the the, uh, the 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 defensive back for Gateway, you know, <laughs> ran over the Peters Township wide receiver, and you know it was it was the right call. So, um, and then yeah, you know, passed to Hondro with four seconds left, and that was that. And Peters Township's back. Um, in the WPL Championship, avenging their loss in the championship game to Gateway a year ago. Um, yeah, it makes you wonder. You know, I didn't hear Derek Davis's name called too much. It, it, you know, he committed. He he was announcing his commitment to where he's going to play college ball uh, the day after. I wonder if that was on his mind more than the actual game itself of that second half. I'm not going to say it was. I'm not going to say it wasn't. Just interesting to think of. Um, Maybe if he was looking ahead, I don't know. And I'm not going to blame the whole yeah, game that, on him. I'm not going to blame the whole game on him because Derek Davis didn't lose that yep, football game. Yeah. Gateway did. So just just a thought. And Gateway still has a very talented team aside from Derek Davis. Uh, but on the Peters Township side, big win for them to avenge the loss from last year. Um, they got the Pine Ridge and the Rams in, on the, in the mirror here. Um, is that a game where you see them maybe being competitive because Pine Richland just waxed the floor with the Penn Trafford Warriors last week? Yeah, I mean, Penn Trafford was up early in that game, though, but, um, you know, Peters Township's known for their defense, um, and their defense is going to have to play the game of their life um, come uh, Saturday night. Um, I, I don't know. I hope it's a very good game. Um, Peter's a very good team. I just think Pine Richland is just that good. Um, if they were in 6A, they would have rolled through 6A. So, um, yeah, it, it, but that's just how good Pine Richland is. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Moving into the Pine Richland game, uh, the business as usual for the Rams. Again, Cole Spencer continues to make headlines. 
um, and that 5A championship. I hope it's I hope it's a close game, but if it's not, it's definitely going to be one-sided toward the Rams. Uh, now let's jump into our one of our final segments here, Amigos of the Week, where we pick our Players of the Week for English-speaking listeners. Uh, I think there's only one guy I saw him play. Uh, there's only one guy that enters my mind for this, and that's Vaughn Morris because that guy – you know, aside from having three interceptions, uh, he was chucking it all over the field. Dual threat. Uh, Cole Waitman had trouble tracking him all night. Uh, just a excellent performance from the Aliquip Eclipse quarterback. Yeah, that was a good pick. Um, you know, just just look at it. Uh, you know, all around the WPIL. You know, a lot, there's a lot of great performances. Um, my my amigo of the week, though. Um, so I put on Amigo Watch, and um, as Mike White said, he did have a down game, only averaging 17.5 yards a carry instead of a season average of 18. Uh, and that's Josh Huff, running back of uh, the Beaver Falls Tigers. I'm going to make him my Amigo of the Week. Um, kid's a good, great athlete, and he's going to do big things in college up at Syracuse. So um, might even have to put him on Amigo Watch for the championship, but we'll get to that on Wednesday. But, yeah, Josh Huff's my Amigo of the Week. And I have a final question here. Just after all of these matchups, and we see this is basically focused on the Still Rocks Vikings win. Uh, this is a question that I ask you, but does this week kind of show, you know, that the disparity between classifications, at least this year, is a lot less than maybe we thought in years past? Because we look at a team like West Green, who competed with Still Rocks last year in the playoffs in 1A, and Still Rocks ended up losing to Clareton. Then we look at Still Rocks this year, and I would argue the Still Rocks team is maybe maybe slightly less talented than last year. I mean, when you're looking at quarterback-wise, you know, Still Rocks lost a four-year starter over the offseason. Uh, you know, and Still Rocks is still getting it done, making the 2A final. Um, after making the 1A final last year, that kind of tells you transitive property of football. Clareton would do pretty well in 2A. So, you know, and of course, Aliquippa moving up from 3A to 4A is an obvious example as well. Uh, but what do you think about this idea that maybe all of these teams maybe aren't as the, the disparity between these teams aren't as big as maybe we had, maybe we had expected, you know, at the beginning of the season? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, associate you know that 2a is better than 1a 3a is better than 2a 4a is better than 3a yada 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 um that's fair because yes there is more talent it seems at bigger classifications because there's more athletes more students um i think that uh most of the time yes that that is the case you know but uh, you know that's the only thing that separates schools from playing each other i mean like I mean, Central Catholic could play Mapletown, really. I mean, Pitt Central Catholic, but the only reason they don't is because, you know, Pitt Central Catholic graduates, you know, more than 600 kids. Mapletown graduates 40 kids. You know, that's the only thing is just classification. I mean, they're all, you know, my my high school athletic director said it best, you know. Uh, we're, they're all boys the age of 15 to 19 years old. You know what I mean? So... I, I, you know, it, it's it's there. It's just you know the size. That's all that separates them, and I think you see that, um, especially now. You know, like a lot of teams you see in Double A now um, were at one point 
single A teams when it was four classifications. You know, you think like I think of Avonworth, you know, I mean they're three A now, but you look last year they were the two A runner up. They were single A when I was growing up. You know, Southern Columbia, the powerhouse that they are two A, they were single A. Um you know, the list goes on. There's several other examples I can think of. Um but you know, Stow Rocks and Laurel were single A growing up. Now, you know, Stow Rocks is double A, Laurel's double A, um, and I think the disparity made the playoffs this year. What's that? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, they were both playoff. T- well, Laurel wasn't a playoff team in single A. Go to double A, they are a playoff team. You know that happens. Um, sometimes you could argue that. Two, sometimes you could argue that a smaller classification is better than a bigger classification. Like you could make the argument that one A is better than two A. Just to say, just a scenario, hypothetical. Not saying that's the case. Um, but yeah, you know, and I think you, that you see like teams like Aliquippa, who is a one A team, um, as far as um, how many how many boys in grades ten through twelve there are. Um, but they're out there and they're in the four A district championship game. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I don't think there's much of a disparity. Some years there is. Some years single A's far superior, some years two A's far superior. Um, but I think most years um, you'll find that there's not as big as a difference as you think between the top dogs and single A and the top dogs and double A. Like honestly, like if you put if you put Jeanette and Clareton in two A, how do you think they finish, Grells? Be honest. I think they'd both be playoff teams. Uh, I'm not sure how they finish at the end of the year, but the way Storax has played kind of proves to me there's that not one Clarendon team would be very there's good. There's not one team. In, the, 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 literally the only team I see maybe beating Clareton in two ways, Beaver Falls, at the at the district level. Like, do you see any other two-way team that would beat Clareton? And be honest, I mean, that's just... That's the thing. I mean, we haven't seen Clareton or Jeanette play anyone but Springdale, Olsh, you know, these these smaller schools. So it's, it's kind of hard to have a... Well, I mean, you, you know, just said, you know, Stowrocks lost to Clareton last year. Stowrocks exactly. is in the... And the, I, I agree with you. I think Stowrocks was a better team last year. Not dissing this team. I just, like you mentioned, I think the loss of Eric Wilson, a quarterback... Um, you know, that's that's a big loss, you know. I mean, he was a four-year starter, one of the most decorated um, quarterbacks of Whippeal history. And, you know, I, I, I think, like you mentioned, like, you know, Clareton beat them. They're in the Chubbway Championship this year. Clareton's still a powerhouse. Clareton pretty much has majority of the same team back, you know. Uh, I think Clareton and Beaver Falls would be an awesome championship game. You got Dante Sanders of Clareton on one side, and you got Josh Huff on the other side for Beaver Falls. Um, that'd be awesome to see. Yeah, and I guess my final question would be just looking at all the classifications as a whole because, um, you know, Aloquipa is kind of the oddball here that they are 1A, but they're playing up in 4A and still dominating. Um, but is there one cl- difference of classification that is probably less than, than another? Because... I have a feeling that the disparity between a 3A and a 4A is probably bigger than a 1A and a 2A. I'm gonna yeah, guess. Yeah, I mean, no, I would say no. Like, I, yeah, I agree. I think if you, I think you throw, I think if you throw, like, we'll put like the top three teams in my opinion in 3A and 4A. I still think Central Valley is a WPIL title contender. I, I really do. I mean, you look, this team beat. Aliquippa twice last season, including in the WPIO Championship. Them and TJ were always classic games when they used to play um, back in the old 3A when it used to be just four classifications. Um, so I think TJ, I think Central Valley 
is a title contender. I think I think Elizabeth Ford's a playoff team. I really do. I think that they're they're that good this season, and I think North Catholic as well is a playoff team at 4A. Um, maybe make a little run to the Whitfield Championship as well. I think North Catholic probably. I know they lost to Elizabeth Forward, but I think North Catholic matches up better than uh, with 4A teams as far as their size goes than Elizabeth Forward does. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, there is a bigger disparity though. I think you could see a lot more 1A teams succeed at 2A, like a Stowe Rocks, like a Laurel that they're doing now. Sarah Catholic was 1A at one point in time, you know. Um, I think you'd see a lot more 1A teams be successful with 2A than you would 3A teams be successful with 4A. Um, but then you got like 6A, 5A to 6A. You know, I think, you, like I said, I think you put Pine Ridgeland in 6A, I think they win the whole thing. I think if you put Gateway in 6A, I think Gateway wins the whole thing. Same with Peters Township. Uh, that's how good I think those teams are. This seems like a thinly veiled excuse for us to justify a reason to go back to four classifications. <laughs> it does, yes, but the reason they did it is so there there were some huge schools playing um, smaller competition, and that's what yeah, did like it. your St. Joe's and yeah, yeah, and no, not even. I mean, you look at the one A level, you know, like Frazier and Beth Center. I mean, forget Beth Center's last two seasons, but uh, you know, Beth Center and Frazier. You know, we look at them; they were two powerhouses. Um, in the Tri-County South, and they were just a lot bigger teams than, um, you know, than, like, West Green and Mapletown and Carmichael's even. Um, you know, I mean, that's no excuse to go out and lose just because the school's bigger, but, I mean, you know, there was that uh, factor in it. You know, they played schools the same size, and they had success at first. Not so much now. Um, for Beth Center, that is. Frazier's still, you know, right in the mix of the things. But, yeah, so, you know, you just look at an example like that. Yeah, I, in my personal opinion, I think six classifications is kind of the sweet spot right now. But I can see your argument on, you know, I we've just been talking this whole time about how, you know, teams between conferences aren't very similar. And I'd love to see some more. Uh, I, I know we didn't, we were kind of robbed of this this year, but I'd love to see more. Uh, you know, cla- two classification matchups. Maybe we see a Clareton play a Beaver Falls as, as now a conference matchup or something of that nature. Because, you know. I, I wish I wish that they kind of set up some of these matchups so that we got a little bit more intriguing games out of conference. But I understand that you know location is a key factor. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, that's about the end of this podcast here. Uh, some good discussion on games and then on the classification to wrap it up here. Uh, but if you like what we do, uh, we encourage you to go support us on Patreon, uh, buy the merch on Teespring, go check out PF Football News for all of your Pennsylvania high school content. You can go check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those fun places. We are there. Um, hit us up. Uh, we got some cool recap videos coming out soon from multiple games throughout the playoffs. So be on the lookout for those. More podcasts. Go listen to our previous podcasts um, if you want to hear our opinions before this week's action. Um, and... As well, you can go uh, email us at backyardpafootball at gmail.com. Aside from that, this has been the Backyard PA Football Podcast. I'm Nathan Grella. I'm Jeremiah Miller. And we will see you guys when we start previewing the Whippeal Championships. It's finally that time of year. See you guys. You've been listening to the Backyard PA Football Podcast with Nathan Grella and Jeremiah Miller. 
Contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or through email. Support us on Patreon, and check out some merch on Teespring. Thank you for listening. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.